Welcome to Grassfed and Grace Led Podcast. I'm Maddie Rose, and today I have a special guest, Betsy Sedemont Haddix, an author of Christian fiction and many other books. Um, she's a great friend of mine, and I loved reading her most recent book, Tacos for Two. She's a wife and mother of two, well, maybe three if you include her dog, but She's here to talk with us today about her journey through writing, the various books that she's written and worked on, and her journey through that whole process, including her faith. So, Betsy, I'm so excited to have you on today. You know, I would love it if you would just start out by telling us a little bit about one of your more recent books, Tacos for Two. I loved it. Um, I got had a chance to read it early last year. And I think it would be great for them to learn a little bit about what this book is if they haven't read it. Sure. So Tacos for Two is what I like to call You've Got Mail meets Food Truck Wars. So I love the movie You've Got Mail. And so that inspired my idea for Tacos for Two. I thought it would be fun to kind of make it more modern. Because if you remember, You've Got Mail with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan was... Um, early, early nineties. So everything was email and giant boxed sized computers. And it was just really fun getting to update the technology and trying to see what would this look like today. And so I had to create a dating app instead of emails to make it more up to date. And then I also needed a dating app that didn't include photos so I could keep the anonymous factor for my hero and heroine as they were able to connect online anonymously and not realize that they were actually enemies in real life at the same time. So it was really fun to make that happen. And my publisher did such a great job with putting the direct message format on the page where there's emojis, there's um, the italics of the texting back and forth, things like that. Um, But yeah, so it's just a story of, um, My hero and heroine, Jude and Rory, both have their own family issues and things that they're trying to overcome in their family lives and then how that plays into their careers and their dreams. And then, of course, the love story of them um, falling for each other online and competing against each other in real life. And then what happens when all of that collides. That's awesome. I actually I really enjoyed uh, reading that Tacos for Two. I think I read it. Um, when it came out last fall and I couldn't put it down. So it was really cool because that was the first book of yours that I'd actually read. And of course, having met you first, it was like really a unique experience reading a book from someone that I know. Yeah. (laughs) But I loved, I love that. Like you were saying like the text conversation in the book. I thought that was really clever. And yeah, I really enjoyed this book a lot. Um, Good. I'm curious about it, though. Like you said, it was by uh, inspired by You've Got Mail. Were you just like watching the movie and then decided you wanted to write a book? Was this something that you've always kind of wanted to do? Like, how did the idea really kind of come into fruition for that? Well, actually, the food truck part came first. So If you've ever been around a fiction author for very long, you might have heard them talk about branding. 
So every author's career, they have a brand and it might be something really specific. Like she only typically writes, you know, suspense novels with cops and canine, you know, canine units or something like that. Like something where, you know, this is kind of what you're going to get, or it could be a broader brand, like sweet contemporary romance. You know, there's going to be a happily ever after it's going to be very clean. It's going to be very upbeat. Um, brands can kind of go a million different ways, but it's basically what does the reader expect from your book? And if you ever go off brand as an author, you run the risk of really upsetting your readers. Mm-hmm. It would be like if Stephen King suddenly wrote a really sweet Christian romance. <laughs> it just <laughs> would be startling. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, you know, vice versa. If, um, you know, Jeanette Oki wrote a really graphic thriller novel with a lot of, you know, non-Christian elements. It would just not, it just doesn't work. So staying on your brand is really important. Um, And somehow I had kind of accidentally gotten branded with like bakery, cupcakes, (laughs) things like that. It just evolved. So one of my earlier novels was All's Fair in Love and Cupcakes. And I loved that one. And at the time I was writing for Zondervan and then they asked me to join in with two different novella sets and they kind of assigned me the role of the um, wedding cake baker for my heroine just to fit with the theme that they were doing. And so suddenly I had three books that had different bakery type elements and I just kind of kept going with it because it was working and readers were responding well to it. And so I had several more come come down the line, I had The Key to Love, which was set in a Parisian style bakery in Kansas. And that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but <laughs> I kind of was getting tired of cupcakes and macarons and, you know, pedophores and all of that. But I knew that my readers really liked the food element. So I didn't want to abandon it completely. And so when I got this new contract with Ravel, my editor there said, you know, there's just not a lot of Christian fiction with food trucks. And it was kind of getting to be a little trendy in the general market. She's like, you should try a food, a food truck story. I was like, I should, that sounds really fun. And it would still be similar enough that my readers would really enjoy that, but it, it was giving me a chance to do something fresh. So the food truck came first. And then I thought, okay, food trucks, food truck wars, like all of this just kind of naturally fits. I need a competition element. And when I started brainstorming, okay, who's competing? What are they competing for? That was when I remembered You've Got Mail. And I just thought that could be a really fun twist. So the You've Got Mail actually came in after some of the more um, initial components. Wow, that's that's something I didn't even realize that you had... um branding in mind that you have to do that even as a romance or Christian fiction author like I guess when you talk about it that way um I remember a few authors in my childhood that I liked that they branched out and they changed something uh, about their themes and stuff that they wrote about and it totally threw me for a loop so that's (laughs) hilarious some authors can really get away with it and you know, I know one author who's very famous and she writes so many different things and different genres, but they all still kind of work. They're still kind of her stamp on all of it. So I guess at that point, her brand really is just herself and her name. 
And so that's a pretty cool point to get to. Um, but yeah, I, I do have some new ideas coming, coming down the line that are not gonna involve any type of food. So I am gonna start getting away from that a little bit, but I guess I'm hoping that my brand will still be, you know, uplifting fiction with strong romance threads and inspirational, hopeful elements. Um, of course, happily ever after, and there's probably gonna be a lot of coffee involved somewhere <laughs> along the way of the story. <laughs> So, yeah, you're a huge coffee fan. Are you also a huge tacos fan? I am. And it's so funny now since having the tacos for two published and of course all the marketing I had to do for it. I love tacos anyway, but now, especially people think of me when they see tacos. So I get so many emails and direct messages and text messages with taco memes or um, one of my readers sent me a t-shirt that says tacos and Jesus. Um, like there's just been so many little things that people now associate me with tacos. And I thought, well, there are much worse things to be known for. This totally works. So you've, um, branded yourself this foodie. Are you like, I know you love coffee and tacos, but are you a foodie in real life? Do you love baking and all that kind of stuff? No, <laughs> which is also the irony of it all. Um, I feel like all the baking genes got passed straight from my mom to my daughter. Mm. So my mom grew up making these really delicious uh, tea cake cookies for holidays with the powdered sugar icing. And she would theme the cookie cutter shapes for each holiday. And um, those are just staples of my childhood. She still makes them now, but she's always been really good at that kind of stuff. And I tried to make those cookies one time and they basically like ran together on the tray and something just went horribly wrong. And they were just, it was one <laughs> giant candy cane. It was so bad. And then I tried to ice it thinking, okay, well, it's a little thin, but nobody really cares about the cookie being thin. If the icing's good, like, you know, nope. The icing was also watery and horrible and it was, it was so bad. So I kind of learned to quit trying on that. We can't even talk about the lemon bars. That was just like a, I just, I literally just can't even talk about that. So the answer is just no, but my daughter can be like, Hey, I'm 13. I'm going to try to make macarons. And I'd be like, okay, baby, that's, that's really hard. Like, you know, don't, don't be upset if it doesn't work. And of course they come out perfectly on her first try. So that's kind of, that's kind of the life I live right now is I just make one. I just have one of them make something like that for me and I just write about it. <laughs> so. Yeah. So it's like a vicarious experience for you. Yes, exactly. But my, um, my Google search bar was full of homemade, authentic Mexican food recipes. Um, I was having to look up how to make tamales. I mean, every, all of my reviews, four tacos for two was just raving over how hungry they were, how I made them crave tacos, how they had to go start cooking every night was taco Tuesday. Like I just started this whole taco revolution. Um, and it's so funny because I obviously described it really well. So that's good. Even though I probably couldn't actually do it. So I'll take it. It's, it's fine. <laughs> that's just how good of a writer you are. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so I'm super curious about, like, you're here now, you've written Tacos for Two, you've written a ton of other published books, 
I know you've got some other projects that hopefully we can talk about later, but I'm super curious with how you got started into being an author. Was this a dream you've always had as a child? And if so, or if not, how did you get into it? And what was that like? Yeah, it was a dream. Um, when I was probably as young as seven, I, I knew I wanted to write. And of course, when you're, when you're a younger kid, and even as a teenager, you kind of have that thought of, well, I want to do this, but I might not ever actually, you know, there was a couple of um, career days at school where I would dress as a, um, as a vet and bring a stuffed animal and a stethoscope or, you know, something like that. But there were also days where I would come dressed as an author there and I'd bring a pen and a book and a little name tag and you know just little things so it was always in me but it wasn't until I got to be about 18 that I realized all of these little rough drafts and attempts at writing were just never going to take me anywhere if I didn't get serious about it and put feet to my dream so to speak Mm. and so that's when I went to a writer's conference and it was on writing and speaking And uh, my mom wanted to go and learn more about speaking because she liked to teach and speak for um, at women's groups on, you know, Bible study type material. And so I went and they had one little course on fiction. And it was taught by Gail Roper, who is a Christian fiction author. And me and Gail just really connected. And I spoke with her after the course and she directed me to a um, really big writers organization called the ACF. W and that's the American Christian fiction writers. And that group has been around a really long time. And I just don't think I would be anywhere near where I am today without that group. So joining that group put me in a network of other authors, um, aspiring authors and veteran authors um, who were able to help, you know, coach me, um, put on classes where I would continue to learn the craft of writing. Um, This group is where I got my agent for the first time. There's conferences where you can go and, and pitch your work to, I mean, New York publishers, you know, the, the, the real deal. And I had just never been exposed to that before. So that opened so many doors. And um, I got my agent when I was 23 and Mm. she's 23 or 24. And she sold my first book uh, just a few months later. And that was about the time I was expecting my daughter who just turned 14 a few days ago. So I've been doing this for basically a little over her entire life. Um, and I have 22 published novels and novellas behind me as of right now. How does that feel now looking back at who you were versus where you're at now? Gosh, it's a whirlwind. It's, I have to take moments sometimes and just really let it soak in and appreciate that I did it, you know, and glory to God, 100%. But it's just so cool. Like, I don't want that to slip past because I'm always striving for the next goal or the next contract. I want to look at my shelf in my office and just be like, wow, all those books, like I really did that and they really exist. And the Lord opened those doors for me and he let me do what I've always dreamed of doing. And he's the one that put that dream in my heart to begin with. And he saw it through and that's worth appreciating sometimes, you know? Yes, absolutely. I struggle so much with 
well, I'm an ideas person and I am not very good at the follow through. So I admire people who follow through with their ideas. And that's just so cool, I think, to be able to look back and see, you know, from where you were there, just kind of this dreamer to now having 22 books, you said, published and more in the works, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so tell me about some of your current projects, if you're allowed to talk about them. Yeah. Um, well, about the 80s book, I'll address that one real quick. Um, it's, it's called the, the 80s Rom-Com Club, and it's a set of six novellas where me and five other authors got together, and we each chose one of our favorite movies from the 80s and did kind of a modern inspired by story. So not a true retelling, um, but just kind of a kind of how I incorporated You've Got Mail elements into Tacos for Two. We would incorporate these 80s flicks into our short stories. And the connecting theme for each of those six different stories in the 80s rom-com club is that each character, each main character is in an 80s rom-com um, online club where they meet once a month and stream a movie together and watch it and talk about it. So they're long distance friends through the internet that have this love for the 80s in common. So each story will have a, a chat room scene or two um, between all the characters. But other than that, they're their own, own stories. So you don't really have to read them in any kind of order. Um, they're just kind of loosely connected that way. Hmm. Um, it was really fun. So the one I chose was Ferris Bueller's Day Off which is one of my favorite 80s movies. It's just so ridiculous. It's amazing. And I wanted to make it really fresh. So if you're not familiar with Paris Bueller's Day Off, it's um, about a high schooler who plays hooky from school and goes running in around Chicago with his best friend and his love interest. Um, and they get in shenanigans and he's got the school principal kind of chasing after him trying to prove that he skipped school and, and bust him. He's got his sister trying to cause problems for him. You know, um, it's just, it's just a big comedy. Well, what I did was I had a female lead who was um, turning 30. And so on her 30th birthday, she has nine items left to check off her 30 before 30 birthday bucket list. So she's running around the outskirts of Chicago with her best friend, and her love interest trying to finish her list. And then they get into all kinds of hijinks and um, the romance develops. And um, yeah, it was so much fun. It was just a really fun kind of easy thing to write. It was first person, which was different for me. Most of my stories are third person. And so I got to have fun with that different voice and style. And yeah, it was a blast. That sounds like a blast. I definitely look forward to picking that one up. You're also working on, well, I know that you write some articles for, I believe, in Crosswalk, correct? Yes. And how often do you typically write for them? Well, I have been writing for Crosswalk off and on the better part of probably about 20 years now, which is so weird to say out loud. Um, but I started writing for them when I was, I guess, about 18. and. It was, wow. it was free. They, um, you had to 
kind of auditioned. You didn't get paid, but it was good exposure. It was it was a good way for me to start building my writing resume of accomplishments. Mm-hmm. And I would write things on because I was so young, I was able to write from a homeschooler's perspective. And so I would write what it was like to be homeschooled or what it was like to be a Christian dating or, you know, things that were relevant to that time in my life. Um, and so as the years went on and I got more experience behind me, I would still write for them occasionally. Well, then they came to me several years ago when they created a sister company to Crosswalk and it's called, I believe like a little, a little, a little I like, like iPad or iPhone, um, I believe. And it's more for women, whereas Crosswalk is more for all readers. I believe articles are geared more directly to women. And they asked if I would write for them. Um, and I was really excited to come back to that and start doing it a little more regularly and just having lived so much life <laughs> in that time period in between, I had a lot more to say and a lot more experience on different topics. So now I write on Christian women and divorce, um, Christian parenting, you know, family things, remarriage, just whatever kind of comes up. Um, I don't, I don't really have a strict rotation. I try to do at least one or two a month. Sometimes it varies, but I really enjoy that. And I love the feedback I get from readers who send me an email and just let me know that that article really inspired them or encouraged them. Um, I think that's the best part of that whole job is just getting to hear how it helped other women. Cause that's really why I do it, you know? Yeah. How often do you hear back from readers either from the articles or even just like your books? Well, with social media, it's really easy to connect. So when it comes to the articles for Crosswalker, I believe it's usually an email response and some articles, I don't really get any, Um, and then other articles will just kind of, I guess, hit home a little, a little deeper. I might get five or 10 responses, um, from there, but with my books and social media, it's so easy for readers to hop on my Facebook or my Instagram and either send me a direct message or just interact with my posts and let me know what they thought of the book. Or I've had people request, um, copy to review because they loved one of my older books and they would love to review this this new one or um, getting tagged on posts where they've already featured it that's that's really fun to to just be scrolling Instagram and just suddenly see your book in a post that you had nothing to do with it's kind of surreal you know every author this is every author has kind of a running communal life goal of hoping to see somebody reading their book out in public (laughs) (laughs) like at an airport or the beach or something it's it's like a thing and so it's kind of that same feeling when you're just on social media and you come across something about your book that you didn't expect it's just really nice it kind of helps with that whole imposter syndrome of like oh yeah I really am an author my book's really out there people are really reading it wow (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Imposter syndrome. That's a real deal right there. Yeah. Um, so you recently posted, well, we can't share it all here, but you get some interesting, uh, Goodreads reviews every once in a while. Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) That must be, that must be really difficult to sometimes, I guess, knowing that you can't please everyone kind of, I don't know, just, seeing the criticisms, is that hard for you or? 
Yeah, it can be. It honestly depends on the day. I've had days where I come across a one-star review or somebody upset about something in the book and I can just kind of move right on as if it didn't happen. I can either just say, oh, well, at least they read it and keep going, you know, or the, sometimes there's days or maybe there's reviews that are worded a little more harshly, um, like the most recent one, where it does kind of stick with me for a little bit. And I'm just like, ouch, like, man, that one hurt. You know, not to take it personal. You know that not every book is for everybody. There's There's been bestsellers that I've read and thought, I don't really get it. This isn't really my thing. So I understand it's not personal, but it's still just, you know, this is something that was very personal for you to write or create or pour yourself into and to hear it have such a negative response, even from someone who probably wasn't your target demographic can still pack a punch, you know? Um, But one thing I do that has been really fun and I obviously can't do it with this most recent one. I'm sure we're being really cryptic now. People might go look on Goodreads to see what we're talking about, but there's swear um, words. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but what I like to do is sometimes take those lower star reviews and turn them into a really fun graphic that I share publicly. And it's just kind that. of a way of laughing at myself and just still celebrating the fact, hey, somebody took the time to read my book, write a review. It still stirred up a response in them, even if it wasn't the one I'd hoped for. And that still counts, you know, like, that's great. I'll take it. So there was one, I made a graphic um, where the reader said the epilogue had her dry heaving like her cat. (laughs) (laughs) But then I had someone else, once I shared that, they're like, oh, I loved that epilogue so much. I'm like, me too. So, you know, to each their own. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You have to laugh at yourself and have a thick skin and just, you know do the best you can and know it's not going to hit home for everybody. Yeah. I, well, I think sometimes too, people that write bad reviews and stuff, they, there's kind of like this subculture of who can write like the best bad review, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You, You see that on a lot of stuff like products on Amazon and different book reviews. So Sometimes I I think think they're a little inspired by that. Probably so. And also what, what I think is most frustrating from the writer side, is not so much the bad reviews where they just didn't like the book or maybe something in the book triggered them or offended them. I mean, I can respect that for the most part, but what's really hard is when you get a low star review for something you can't control like Mm. the font size or the way the package arrived in your mailbox, like those have actually happened. And you just want to be like, that wasn't me. I didn't, I didn't mail this. I didn't even publish this. Like I wrote the story, the publisher determines the formatting, you know, like it just feels kind of like, oh, you're just extra frustrated at, at, at those, but some people don't understand how it works and that's okay. <laughs> sure. So if you're listening to this, don't give bad star reviews on books if you didn't get your book in the mail the right way or you don't like the formatting of the book. <laughs> exactly. Don't be that person. <laughs> right. So well 
See, I feel like I would struggle. Like if I get Nate, I'm so like sensitive to criticism stuff that I think that's a big reason why I have not put myself out there. But I'm just curious if you have advice, you kind of gave us a little bit for someone who's maybe either they want to be an author, maybe it's something completely different, but they're unsure of kind of putting themselves out there to kind of pursue this passion that they have. Do you have advice for someone who's in that position? Yeah. So I'm actually in that position myself right now with a slightly different venture. So I can give the advice based from what I'm having to coach myself through right now. (laughs) Um, So I guess we'll find out later if it works, (laughs) but (laughs) I'm writing a nonfiction book right now. This is my first nonfiction book, not just an article. And it is on Christian women and divorce. And it's sharing a lot of my story and my testimony of walking through an unwanted divorce. And then of course now I'm remarried and, um, just the way the Lord was with me in that season and trying to offer hope to women who find themselves in that position. So that's obviously a very sensitive, very delicate and controversial subject. And as I'm writing, I have these moments where I'm so inspired and I just think, man, this is going to be so good. Women are going to respond to this. This is going to help people. I can't wait. What an honor to be used this way. Like I'm all fired up. I'm full of the spirit. I'm walking in the spirit. I'm doing great. And then maybe 20 minutes later, I just like cower under my desk and I'm like, oh my gosh, people are going to read this. Like, that's terrifying. That can never happen. What are we doing? (laughs) So I keep swinging between those two, those two points. And the thing I'm starting to realize is I know the door opened for me to do this. And I prayed about it so much before I accepted the offer to write the book. And I know the Lord has purpose in it. And I also am equally sure there will be some pushback. There will be some harsh reviews. There will be some negative opinions. And I just have to weigh that against the cost of the women it's going to help. And to me, it's worth it because that's why I'm doing it. And so for someone who is venturing into any kind of creative endeavor, whether it's art or music or writing or um, just anything that is putting themselves out there and taking that risk of rejection or failure, I would just say when you do it with the Lord, when you're, when you're walking with him, writing with him, painting with him, whatever that looks like, just keep him as that main focus and that main goal. Because if that's your heart and your agenda, then who cares what someone says later? You know, if you have the Lord's approval with what you're doing and it's bringing him glory, well, then we can deal with the one stars, right? Like it's such, it's such a small price to pay. Um, So that's just kind of the way I'm coaching myself right now through these ups and downs. And I feel like it's kind of, I feel like it applies to several different ventures because anything creative is just hard and scary because it is personal, whether, you know, people try to tell you, oh, it's not personal, but you know, to some extent it, it just is because it came from you. And you can have the business sense and the business mind of, oh, this is not a personal rejection. They just can't publish this book because X, Y, Z, they only have so many slots. It's business. You know, you can tell yourself those things, but it does hit, I think, a little differently when it's a creative venture. So I do have all the sympathy for that and would love to encourage anyone 
specifically if they wanted to reach out on social media and and speak to me further about it, that would be great. I love that. Great advice. And you made me think about, you know, are you talking about doing things to the glory of God and walking with your faith? And how would you say that your faith has influenced you in your writing as well as just kind of on the life journey that you've been on? I know you mentioned divorce and that's probably like a really open-ended question right there, but just how has your faith kind of, how have you seen your growth through your faith and in your writing and all of that? Yeah. um, My first thought is going back to that writer's conference and organization that I joined the ACFW. I remember sitting in a worship service at conference. We do an annual conference usually every September. And this was many years ago. I was sitting there at the worship time and I was just kind of saw this other author across the room who I really admired, loved her books. They were so deep and so rich. And there was so much in me that was just like, Lord, I want to write like that. And not like her. It wasn't jealousy at all. It was more that inspiration of, Lord, I want to go to the next level. Like, I want to take my readers to the next level with you. I want to write things that bring them closer to you. I want to, I want to do that like this other author does, you know, but in, in my way. And it was just kind of this thought I had while I was sitting there in the worship time was, I just felt like it was time for something a little more, a little richer. And I wasn't really sure how to do that or what that looks like, but I just wanted the Lord to, you know, hear that prayer and equip me. And that was just kind of my new writing goal, you know, well, fast forward, oh gosh, maybe four or five months later. And that was when my husband left and I was immediately on a journey that was going to be drawing me much closer to the Lord. Mm. Um, than I had ever been before. And that did spark the initial wave of me being able to channel that into my writing and into my stories and have deeper plots and deeper characters that had more of, not an agenda, but you know what I mean, more of a goal of really helping the, helping the reader with their identity or who they were in Christ or some of those richer things So the Lord answered that prayer and the timing of that is just so cool for me because obviously the Lord did not cause my divorce so that I could write better. Like, I mean, that's not what we're, that's not what's, what's happening here, but he, and just all of his sovereignty, you know, knew all of these events that were heading my way and he prepared me and he brought good from it. Um, I like to say he Romans 8, 28 it. (laughs) (laughs) I use use Romans 828 as a verb a lot, um, where, you know, he just made all of that work. And I'm just so thankful when I look back and see that rather than being bitter or thinking, oh, no, I probably shouldn't pray for hard things. Look what happened. It's actually really inspiring that the Lord was so gracious and was able to do what I wanted and had hoped for because of something that was happening regardless, you know, but he, he took that and he made something really beautiful from it. And so one of the books I wrote in the aftermath of my divorce was called love arrives in pieces. Mm -hmm. And it's one of my favorites to date, because it was the first time I'd ever written a divorced 
um, female lead. And that was pretty rare back then. And this was published, I think 2015 or 2014. And the tide is turning a lot, but back then it was really rare to even see a divorced heroine in Christian fiction. You know, they, they wanted a little more upbeat and a little less controversial type lead characters. Um, but I was able to do that and really walk some of that out in my story. And the theme of the story in that book, Love Arrives in Pieces, is um, beauty from the broken. So there's a mosaic art tile, um, mosaic tile art theme um, mm. in the story. And it's just all about renovation and reconstruction of this this woman and her identity. And, and it's just, I don't know, I love it. I love it so much. and. To this day, I still get emails about that one. And that book, while it's not my bestseller of all of my books, I feel like it's the one that maybe has had the best impact because a lot of times impact and numbers don't match up. Yeah. And I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's beautiful. Um, I love, you know, just all the trials that we go through in this life. And I just love when God uses that trial and us and our experience to come alongside others that are going through similar or like trials. Um, you know, that's part of my own story. And I imagine that's a big reason why you're writing the current book that you're writing now, correct? Yes, absolutely. This nonfiction one that I'm doing now, um, we don't have an official title yet or an official release date. It might be the end of 2023 or early 2024, um, just depending on the publisher schedule. So I can't give a whole lot more details yet because I just don't have them, but mm. um, it is coming. And I love when um, there's another author and I, we talk about these types of things where it can kind of be frustrating in the publishing industry to have a lot of a lot of, of waits, so to speak, where it's like, you have to wait for this step and you have to wait for this next step and wait for it to finally get on the shelf. And it's just a long process publishing and you, you can't control it. You just have to turn in your book on your deadline and then wait. But what's really cool is I just have so much faith, especially for this particular book that if this book gets published next year or in two years, it will be the exact timing that it needs to be for the readers who need to read it. And that might be a hundred readers or it might be a hundred thousand. I have no idea. And I love that that's not up to me, that it's up to the Lord to get the book to who he wants it for. And I'm good with that result either way, you know, and it's just, it's so freeing because in this industry numbers are just such, such a huge burden on authors to market themselves and sell their books and, you know, have all the followers and it can be really tiring and it takes you away from your actual writing, you know, but yeah. at the end of the day, from a Christian writer's perspective, you, you do your part, you know, you, you market and you make your efforts, but you can still trust that whatever your numbers turn out to be like, that's who was meant to read it. And that's why you did it. And so it's already a success. I love that. And I look forward to it whenever it comes out. <laughs> yes, whenever. <laughs> whenever. Um, well, where can people find your books? 
is are there on Amazon? Where else can you find your books at? Yeah, they're all on Amazon. Um, you can do Kindle, print, audio for a lot of them. Um, and then and if you go to my website, you can see a full listing of all my books kind of in one easy place. And that's just BetsySantamont.com without the period in the saint. So just all spelled out together, BetsySantamont.com. And then, of course, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Betsy Sainamont, or I think one of them is Betsy Sainamont Haddocks. So you might have to look a little, a little bit. That's my remarried name, <laughs> but I kept my author name for my books since that was how I was already established before my, my divorce. And I just add Haddocks to the bio on the back. Um, so that's the explanation there, if there was any confusion. Um, but yeah, and I also send out a monthly newsletter. You can subscribe to the newsletter through my website and I don't blow you up. It's just like one a month and it's usually really fun pictures of my schnauzer <laughs> and any book news that's coming up. Um, some fun stuff maybe my family did that month. It's just kind of a behind the scenes into an author's life. And I always do a giveaway. So you might get a gift card or free books from my own backlist, or maybe from one of my author friends, something that maybe they've just released. So it's definitely worth your time to um, subscribe to that. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to even ask like how often you feature your dog in your <laughs> stuff. Cause he's like such a character. He is. He's the main character really. Like we're all just here for him. I think <laughs> I love how sometimes you'll you'll show me pictures of him being at home watching Disney movies and stuff. Oh yeah. Yep. He is such a spoiled baby. It's um it's it's pretty legit. Yeah. He gets featured in the newsletter every month and he's usually on my Instagram pretty often. The uh the kids joke, we have I have two kids, 11 and 14. And we have, you know, their little framed canvas nice photos of them up the stairwell in the hallway, you know, like they each have two, then they're, it's all staggered and aesthetic and it's really pretty. Well, they're jealous because Cooper, the schnauzer has his own full-size portrait that's <laughs> bigger than theirs hanging in its own spot in the hallway. <laughs> they, they get so, they get so jealous. I was like, but he only has one. Y'all each have two. They're like, but his is bigger. I'm like, well, that's just kind of how it worked out. <laughs> So take uh, from that, if you will. <laughs> I love it. We'll definitely make sure to sign up for Betsy's newsletter so you can see her schnauzer and follow her on Instagram and absolutely pick up a copy of Tacos for Two. I loved this book. I don't read a lot of fiction because when I do read fiction, that's all I want to do is like sit and read. So, of course, that's what I did when I read your book, because all I wanted to do is sit and read it, and <laughs> I didn't I mean, want to I'm, put it down. I'm not seeing the problem there, but, you know. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's, like, responsibilities, like, people need to eat, so. That's right. There is bread to make and chickens yeah. to feed. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, but, yeah, I read it in, like, a day or two, and um, I do want to read it again, and I don't often revisit fiction books so I think it'd be fun to read it again but I also want to read some of your other works including the ones you've mentioned with me today but thank you so much uh, for your time and coming and 
chatting with us all things author and books. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Yeah, and I, I really do hope to do some conversations again here in the future about other topics, um, just Christian living stuff, you know, coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that definitely goes along with it. <laughs> yeah, you can talk about coffee and I'll talk about how I wish I can drink coffee because if I drink coffee, I get lots of anxiety. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but, oh, man. All right. Well, thanks again, friends, for listening. I pray that you continue to be grass-fed and grace-led. God bless. Mm-hmm.